Hey guys, welcome back to Break the Gate Podcast. We have Jeff Meneg. Um, he's the artist manager um, for Left to Suffer, and he's also uh, a music industry vet. He's been in and out for a long time. Um, love to have you on. I really appreciate you coming on and kind of ex- um, sharing some of your tribal knowledge a bit. Um, I I really like that you you know you kind of went to Facebook for a lot of the things that you were seeing bands were doing wrong uh, as a way to kind of help. Uh, so immediately with that, I was like, this guy needs to come on the podcast because we're very much of a uh, try to help people out type of thing. Um, that is my like uh, my way of you know the whole the old saying of if you can't do teach. Uh, you know, I was in the industry in and out for a while, then I got out, and now I'm doing the well, not necessarily the teaching, but I have the introduction to the teaching. So, <laughs> thank you, Jeff, for coming on. That was a long intro. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. And yeah, I, I feel as though a lot of that just stems from I've dead basically dedicated my entire life to this so i want to see as many people succeed um because it's just going to make it better for everybody um and uh, i i'm all, i also get annoyed that it seems like people don't learn from other people's mistakes yeah it's you see this you see the bands in this generation making some of the same mistakes that bands 10 years ago made and yeah that's just you would have thought that maybe they would have paid a little bit more attention. <laughs> Some people are very much of a, I see you doing it that way. I'm still going to do it my way. Cause I think my way's right. You know? Right. Well, you know, everyone sees what bring me the horizon is doing. And so they want to yeah. do it that way. And they don't realize bring me the horizon can do it that way. Cause they're already that freaking big. 100%. Like, you need to do things your way at your level first before. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. steps to this. For so sure. Before we get too much into this, because I can already tell this is going to be a really interesting conversation, because it sounds like you and I have a lot of the same beliefs. Um, could you go into a little bit of, of the history of how you got into the music industry and how you ended up to where you're at now? And if it's a long answer, you can take as long as you want. <laughs> It's it's kind of long, but I've said it enough now where I have it kind of condensed. Uh, condensed, yeah. <laughs> so, in I'm 41 years old. I started going to shows in 1996 or 1997 okay. when I was in high school. Sure. Um, st- started my first band when I was in high school, and we played at our local venue once every three months whenever they would book us, and we would sell tickets, and that you know what I mean. And after doing that a couple of times, we're like, okay, this is cool, but we want to do more. How the heck do we get shows in other areas? You know, because this is pre-internet, basically, you know. And uh, so somebody just jokingly said one day in lunch class, if you put on your own show, then you can just have your band open. And I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Let me figure out how to do that. So I figured out how to put to, put together a show. Put, did my first one in September of '99 when I was a senior in high school, and that show, for whatever reason, just it was like all of the. I had like a light bulb moment um, where I was just like, "Yep, this is what is meant for me, and this is what I'm going to do." And I just haven't stopped since then, basically. Um, 
So for four years, I did nothing but DIY shows. Then I moved up, got a job at a venue, uh, booked shows in Poughkeepsie, New York, mostly for a long time, up through like 2013. Um, then I got, was brought on and uh, was involved in the Bamboozle Festival and Six Flags Festival and Skate and Surf Festival, all back in the 2000. 10 to 2012-2013 and then doing all of that led me to discovering that I didn't want to end up in a club at 50 years old still doing that because I see what those guys look like yeah <laughs> and uh so I made the decision to to try and flip to a different part of the industry um started managing bands picked up uh, uh, my first band uh they were called sworn in they we kind of uh, blew them up very quickly and it was like a whole thing um then i went away for a little bit after my father unfortunately passed away i needed to like take a couple of years to kind of gather my thoughts then i came back as the marketing director at the masquerade in atlanta georgia i was there for four and a half years up until about a year year and a half ago um that is where i met the guys that would end up becoming the band left to suffer uh and then during the pandemic i launched and sold the uh, the website featuredx.com wow that sounds like a very um unique um very unique uh, experience you know you got a lot of different things in there yes my life has been i have i, I my friends like to say that i have endless stories yeah so <laughs> it's been it's been a fun ride it's been difficult for sure, sure. yeah uh, you know um especially since the beginning i've always wanted to do things my own way i've never liked the way things were uh, set up already Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it didn't make sense. Uh, so I've done it all kind of as a uh, industry maverick, so to speak. Sure, yeah. And you, yeah. it sounds like you kind of grew up, too, in the early introduction of almost mainstream transition from punk to, like, screamo, too, right? So Because, like, the yeah, early so... 90s was, like, starting to get into the screamo era, and then you started seeing a lot of bands kind of come through, like, Under Oath, and then that's when they started really booming the screamo age. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, in junior high, I was listening to Nirvana and grunge mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Got into high school, and one of our friend's older brothers just gave us a mixtape, and he was like, you guys need to be listening to this. Yeah. All right. And it was gorilla biscuits black flag oh yeah you know all the classic uh, original <laughs> hardcore minor threat all that stuff yep and all of that you know i we were super pumped on that and at the time victory records had a zine that they ran mm. it was a it was a it was like half zine half mail order catalog um I feel as though like the zine part of it was there just to get eyes on it, to get people to then use it to, to buy yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Um, but literally we just got a you know, an issue of one of those from his, from his brother. And it was just, okay, four fans of this and this and this cool. We like those bands. So let's just buy all this stuff. And so we were just 
diving into you know at that point it was earth crisis snap case hate oh, yeah. breed all at war integrity buried yep. alive all that stuff but it very very quickly very quickly uh the screamo stuff started to pop up all of the bands that loved caven decided mm-hmm. to put in emo their own thing into the music and then yep. from autumn to ashes and all those bands popped up and oh yeah everything tra- everything changed from there yeah but yeah i've I, seen it i've yeah i've seen it firsthand since 1997 yeah that's a, a cool perspective um the only other person that i've had on this podcast uh that has been in the early days of that particular industry uh, was randy nichols um oh, cool. yeah, yeah and he very much the same type of background you know of where he kind of got started but he also you know started getting really heavy into the management side of things um in the early 90s you know right around that same transition you know period for music which was such a, a pivotal moment and i and determined what the re- the next you know 20 years was going to look like you know yeah i mean it's it's uh you you can see the landscape of young bands today and it's influenced them all (laughs) exactly yeah absolutely yeah yeah no it's cool it was like the perfect you know the internet was just becoming a thing so that kind of opened the floodgates for a lot of discovery and you know i personally am a fan of streaming because i feel as though it's it's let everyone be exposed to every kind of music way more than they've ever been before. Yep. Um, and now it's like, you know, you see hip hop in everything, but now you see metal in everything. Too. Yeah, you do, you do. <laughs> right. Crossing. You know, whether, whether it's yeah. Drake sharing yeah. uh, Entheos and his story, or it's, whether it's Lil Uzi Vert doing a song. Or you could Horizon. go the Dropout Kings realm and it's metal and rap. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it's like a com- combination, and they're a great combination of both. You know, absolutely. Um, so anyway, so we'll go right into it here with the uh, with the questions. Um, as an artist manager, uh, how do you approach different release strategies for your your clients? I mean, do you kind of lo- what other thing kind of things do you look at when planning that? I plan way far in advance. And I'm typically, so the way I've been looking at Left to Suffer is what I'm trying to do. The goal is to quote unquote, break the band, right? Mm -hmm. To have them get through that ceiling and they're doing X amount of tickets and they're not going anywhere. So from the beginning, I have never put too much onus into any one release because I knew it was going to be the cumulative of all of them uh, that was going to get us to where we needed to go, which then point I felt we could take a step back and then really concentrate on release to release um, basis. So my strategy is very much linking all of the releases together so there's not too much gaps or dips i like to control the momentum um and i feel as though it's easy to control in the current state of things um so that that's like the overarching part of how i go into it um 
Could you go I into listened. some examples? Like, is it like a waterfall type of release strategy, or is there something more uh, intricate? So, I to mean, it? no. I mean, we we've done that stuff too, yeah. but it's more so shortening everything, I guess. In my mindset, a record cycle is nine months now, not two mm, years. Sure. Yep. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know, and plus, if you just look at our release schedule, you know, they've been a band a little over four years. It's like we really haven't gone more than three months without putting out something. Right. Um, and I, my mind, you know, I've been in marketing my whole life. So my mindset is just there's 100,000 songs coming out every day. There's way more of everything. So you just need to do way more, way more consistently to break through. And it might be unfortunate to some people because they don't like that. But that's just the way that it is so i just lean into it and use the use the platforms i guess the way that they're intended to be used yeah to be honest i think a lot of people don't realize that you know um a lot of people try to come up with their own strategies that they just conjure up in their brains and then say i oh i know that these tools are there and everybody's kind of saying even the platforms are saying use these tools but i don't believe them I'm going to do my own thing, you know, but contrary to popular belief, uh, and there's proof and there's proof in the pudding about it. If you actually use the tools that are there, it works, you know, they're not just kind of blowing, you know, smoke up your ass. You know, they're, they're trying to tell you, Hey, these are the tools that are there. This is why it's there. And if you're looking for X result, this is the tools that you need to get there. You know, sure, there's some yep. a little bit of creativity to it. There's a little bit of, you know, uh, persistence, you know, but the tools are there to use, you know, not to kind of. Yeah, I, <laughs> I honestly think most people don't realize that, like, Facebook, Instagram, they're tools mm -hmm. and they're they're built and constructed to be used a certain way. Right. And it seems as though everyone just wants to use them and wants them to work the way that they just want them to work. Right. right. <laughs> and it's like, you're trying to use a screwdriver to hammer in a, a nail, right? You're not yeah. using the tool correctly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like some of it's I'll, just building yeah. a solid foundation too. you know, and we kind of talked about this a little bit offline about everybody's trying to do what, Bring Me the Horizon is doing, but they're not at Bring Me the Horizon level. You kind of have to get your footwork there, you know, before you can get to that point. At least then you know what works and what doesn't work if you just stick with some sort of set strategy, you know, and then you can kind of tweak it based off of what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the more you put out, the more it's like the, the more songs that you write, the more songs you record, the more songs you put out you're doing reps, right? right? You're getting in the gym and putting up 500 yeah. three-pointers, right? Like that's yep, what you're yep. doing. And it's take like left to suffer in my opinion is just now starting to find themselves with the songs that they just recorded. Mm. So many people already have a ton of opinions because they've gotten as big as they have so quickly and put out so much music. But it's because of no, it's reps. It's let's keep working on stuff. Let's keep experimenting. Let's keep pushing the boundaries. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's fun. I, I have this conversation with a lot of people lately where, you know, it, 
people will complain about having to create content and put out, you know, content and social media and all that stuff. And then they say they just want to, you know, they just want to be artists and they just want to write their music. So then I say, okay, then write a lot more music and put it out. And then they are up in arms about telling them to do that. (laughs) So I'm just like, so you just want, to be able to do what you want when you want and that's and, and that's it and blow up off of that yeah. right yeah <laughs> it's just like it's that's just unfortunately not how the world yeah. operates right know? i mean you can't go into a job and expect that same mentality you know i would hope not right <laughs> <laughs> so, you never know. yeah fair enough yeah. fair enough uh speaking of social media platforms where are some of the things that you do um you know for left to suffer uh to kind of engage uh, and build that audience because i know that's and i know it's probably different for every artist but you know at least as a kind of a a mindset really. starter no okay no, yeah no it, social media in my head is very easy and it's it's all about engagement the algorithms are going to push whatever you know if it's if it's instagram the posts that are getting the most comments or likes or shares or whatever they consider the most the engagement being the most thing for spotify the engagement is people saving the song mm, okay. <clears throat> so in on every platform the engagement metric that that platform uses it, that's just all that matters. So my strategy is for every action, there's an equal to greater reaction. So we use their band account and go and we go and engage with people first rather than waiting for, I feel most bands put out, like we'll post something and they're waiting for people to come to the post to comment for them to then finally jump in. We're not wait. We never waited for that. It's no, we're going to put ourselves out there 10 times more than everyone else for a consistent period of time. And because I'm aware of how all the bands in our scene operate, Mm -hmm. I know if we just do that by default, we're going to, our name is going to grow because no one likes self-promoting or, or posting on the internet or algorithms and you know i mean like all oh, that's yeah <clears throat> so yeah our strategy from the jump was just we need to post every day we need to engage and that's what i was just going to ask what is the strategy for the day-to-day thing is it like a daily is it depending on the platform i mean it we i tr- we want it to be daily though you know it's it's very hard to keep up with that yeah. day in and day out unless you know you you know this isn't a corporation where we have a whole staff you know it's just us doing it so um, we try to do it every single day um, lately at first it was for sure every day in my opinion as a band gets bigger you could start to post a little bit less and a little bit less because. As your brand takes hold and becomes stronger and stronger, you can take your time to do things in between projects and in between posts, and your fans are already there and established and waiting for you. Right now, we're still in the 
building up um, um, demand. You know what I mean? Like still building their brand. Um, so anyway, so from Jump, it's just been put out as much as possible, both from the band account and their personal accounts. Yeah. Mm, that's yeah. a good one too. Just, personal counts. You know the the analogy that I use in my consultations is the internet is like the base is like a baseball stadium during the home run derby, <clears throat> and everyone when they're on social media, they're just running around the outfield picking up balls, and content creators are just batters. Trying to hit home runs, trying to go viral, right? Like trying to that. have a number one. Yeah. But they're just most of the time they're hitting them into the outfield, hitting the, you know whatever. But at this point, the stadium's fucking full of balls. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's never ending balls. So people are walking around and they pick up a ball and it's like whose logo is on it. So if the more balls we can hit out into the outfield the more likely the kids wandering the outfield are going to pick up one of our balls. That's true. You're absolutely right. That's a really good analogy. I haven't heard that one before that, but that makes it, uh, makes so much more sense, you know, uh, of how to explain that process a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Plus, plus it's like, I'm also aware that, you know, the, the overnight success viral thing is not real. You know what I mean? It's, built up momentum that mm -hmm. finally hits a popping point um so i yeah so yeah i just just knowing how that works and just being like yep no that's just the way that we have to approach it like absolutely yeah so, the, the viral yeah. thing too is such a hit or miss i mean because you could you could get a ton of viral people you know uh you know i have a friend who went viral on a couple of his tiktoks but yep. now he's not you know what I mean? You know, so it's like it really just kind of depends and it's there's no really set uh, technique for it. It just happens, you know. So you, well, the other thing, too, is yeah. is going viral is one thing, but then understanding, retaining. understanding how to one, retain it and two, how to convert that reality and get ROI out of out of it, yeah. how to monetize it. That's a totally different skill set that absolutely most people i feel like don't have so yeah right right i think you know one of the success stories was rivals you know uh they but i mean they were grinding it for a while too so i they do deserve the fact that they did go viral but that was a very big thing that they they didn't recognize their management team recognized was that um okay they just went viral let's capitalize this let's let's uh, hit every name in the book and see who we, we can get them on the road you know let's get them on the road as much as possible afterwards so we can stay relevant and they were able to maintain and grow that following that way i mean of course it wasn't probably the same plateau that they hit you know when they weren't viral but at least they were able to make a leg a uh, huge jump up to a point to where they were able to actually you know start making a living off of it and you know um collect a decent amount of roi on it you know so yeah absolutely and you know i'm not i don't even like baseball but it's just yeah. really easy to use for analogies right <clears throat> i'm very aware that there's been multiple teams that have won the world series just hitting fucking singles and doubles. Right, right. Yeah, you know, like they're not they're not the Yankees just hitting home runs uh, left and right. They're playing defense and they're 
you know, playing the playing baseball the way it's supposed to be played, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how? Uh, I, I, yeah. No, sorry. Um, I was going to say I feel like I have a good understanding of how momentum works and how to yeah forecast when it's going to start to dip off and understanding that that's the point that we have to do our next thing so that we don't let the energy that we just created drop back down to where it once was. Right. It's like, uh, did you ever play Kitty Cannon? No. It's no. Like, <laughs> okay. It was like an no. old, <laughs> an old computer game where like, uh, it was very like, it was like, uh, early two thousands computer game where you had a kitten and it's kind of messed up, but you had a kitten in a cannon and then like you would angle it, you know, to try to get the most amount of reach as possible. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. every once in a while, it would start going down, but you would hit, like, a bomb, and then it would go back up again, and then or it would hit spikes, and that was it. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. I can, I, I, yes, <laughs> I feel as though my brain kind of looks at rollouts and how to grow bands exactly like that. Game. Right, yeah. Yeah. So there's your, <laughs> there's your secondary analogy there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Um, on the on the aspect of local artists, though, uh, what kind of advice would you give to them to grow in their home market? Um, you know, outside of social media. I mean, obviously, social media is the first thing that they should be doing. But is there anything else that they could be doing to kind of grow? Yeah. So, in my opinion, our scene has an issue of patience and understanding supply and demand. So, I feel as though most bands you know, whether it's giving too much supply as in playing in their hometown way too often Mm -hmm. or putting out, just dropping a full length record out of nowhere when they have no fans or, you know, it's like, I didn't even let left to suffer print merch for their first show, even though I knew we would sell merch. Right. And, it was, hey, no, like, even though I know we will, we're not going to because we're going to build the demand. And then when we do go and sell merch, we're going to sell 10 times more than we would. have. That's a really good technique. How do you retain that? So if somebody comes up and says, hey, uh, I noticed you don't have any merch, you know, do you, when can I get merch? And you know, say, oh, well, it's coming soon. How do you retain that, that conversation to, Oh, now we have merch. Here's your chance. Um, the way that I approach that is really just out of the, since we're doing so much, right? Since we're posting on social media so much more than most bands, mm-hmm. since we're engaging so much more than most bands, at one point in time, you know, uh, up until like maybe a year ago, they were also, every member was going live for 20, 30, 60 minutes, one day a week. So we're going, their channels are going live five days a week. Then on top of that, we're releasing music once every eight to 12 weeks. On top of that, you know, we're consistently running good Facebook ads that are created in a way that they're going to uh, run effectively. Mm. And we're just doing hitting people. We're just so consistent in everything that we do from every angle 
then in my head it's like the scene is very small so all of these kids even the 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 ones that are like uh you know they're only going to like one show every so often like because we're putting out so much they're gonna see our name or they're gonna see our logo or they're gonna hear about us and then they're gonna see it again and then they're gonna see it again and eventually they're gonna go and check it go and click they're just going to that's it's just yeah. a patience game yeah i yeah i agree yeah yeah, um, it, it, speaking with the logos thing, how do you sh- ensure that your artists' social media content kind of aligns with their overall brand image? You know, because you know every band has its own image. You know, and uh, you yeah. just mentioned how sometimes it's really hard to post every day. But how do you how do you kind of keep that brand image uh, through that process? Well. You know, I mean, with Left to Suffer, it's kind of easy because mm-hmm. on a personal level, their brand is just, they're nice guys to like, they like to smoke weed and vibe out. Hell yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, on, on the band level, you know, it, just coming up for every you know project or release i just really take a step back and try and come up with a theme that everything we do can be encapsulated in that theme somewhat um so you know when we did the on death ep and the, the, the you know it was just literally taylor was like this is what the ep is about it's about this you know the the whatever that's called um crap i forget uh what is that called i am do you know what i'm talking I about i do but i'm blanking on it isn't that funny how that works whenever somebody can't think of something the other person can't either it's like there's this yeah. like weird cosmic brain gap <laughs> but yeah everybody knew what it was yeah. when we announced it because they saw the track names they're like oh okay right. um so it was just okay so that's what it is so i always start super simple honestly and i just start googling and image google searching and like going on wikipedia and going Mm. on google image search and just searching the basic themes of what the music is about of what taylor told me right right and i use those very basic things of what uh i chose me as a starting point so i'm like if that's what it's giving me, then I feel as though it's probably going to hit home deep inside of a person potentially. Yeah. So with that, the the thing that it is that I can't come up with the name, it's like a swirly thing where it shows a vent, anger, then you're depressed, then whatever. Yeah. Um, and in his story, there wasn't the final resolution. There was death instead of that. Sure. So it was just with this, it was okay. So we have this image but it's going to be cut off here i was like cool so it looks like a snake with its fucking head cut off yeah yeah so literally the so literally the cut in the head of the snake is exactly where on the timeline the resolution would have been Mm. (laughs) so then with that it was just okay where can we take that we got a graphic designer to design us 
a custom snakeskin background that we could use for whatever. Um, we rented a snake for music videos. We That's cool. Put it on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of, I feel as though probably the, the best answer of how, how to do that. Yeah. Um, that's a really good answer. That was a better answer than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no insult to you. It was just like, wow. I mean, I, I, I really love the way you explain things. It's very clear. You know, it's almost like, duh, why wouldn't you do it that way? You know? I try to always take things down to the simplest possible yeah. starting point because I feel everything is simple. Sure. I mean, it can yeah. be. Yeah. As long as people don't overcomplicate it, you know? <laughs> right. Humans are the things that make things difficult. Right. Right. Yeah. There's this, there's this yeah. quote, and I'm going to bring the nerd out of me a little bit, but uh, it's... The quote is, we are not the datum other than our own egotistical mindset. And it, it encompasses mm. so many things, and that's one of them. We overcomplicate everything, you know, just because yeah. we feel like we know more. You know, it's crazy. I, I do it in my own life. The yeah. only thing I don't do it in is when I'm managing and promoting a band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I guess that, I mean, if that's that's if that's the way that it works out, that's great, you know? yeah um do you feel like release strategies should change over time or do you it or you kind of adapt it to whatever's going on yeah so when we launched the band this you know so i moved to atlanta seven years ago started working at the masquerade like five or five years ago i guess Mm -hmm. and i was like okay well marketing in atlanta i need to learn about hip-hop right i'm in mecca yeah so started going to uh, some local shows some up-and-coming shows like just all the normal stuff i would in the metal scene but just hip-hop started making friends with some of the managers and label people and stuff like that um then me a manager friend of mine and a pretty big producer he's like works with like the amigos and stuff oh, wow. we, the three of us went the three of us went to go see juice world cool. this is like five or six years ago yeah. right and i didn't know anything about him at that point when we got the show confirmation i literally made a joke that was like this sounds like a vape <laughs> store like, like, why? like, I don't know what a juice world is I right, have to right. it now, but I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, but my friend was like, yo, yeah, me and me and my producer are going to that juice world show. Come, come with us. Okay, cool. Went with them within 30 seconds of him playing. I turned to, to those two guys and I was like, have you ever heard of taking back Sunday before? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we've heard the name. I'm like, this is taking back Sunday. Just modern yeah <laughs> that's what i got from that but anyway so i started researching then you know juice world trippy red then came little baby the baby little dirk you know et cetera, et cetera. Yep. and i noticed a pattern of a release strategy so i brought this discovered pattern to some of my friends and they were like yeah that's literally it <laughs> like <laughs> that's amazing everything so every single artist goes through like the same 18 month strategy where they're releasing 80 to a hundred songs in a year and a half. 
Damn. <laughs> so it's they're doing full album, project, mixtape, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? They're doing three of those. One, nine months later, another, nine months later, another. No singles or anything leading up to them. Those are just, boom, full. Here's 18, 22, 25 tracks, right? Mm -hmm. And then in between, they're doing 10 to 20 singles, super singles push, half of which are their own singles and half of which are other prominent or other accompanying artists that they're the main feature on. Okay. So, boom, album, 20 singles, album, 20 singles, album. And basically, it's like a, it, they call it total saturation. Mm -hmm. So, just for 18 months, they saturate the market with as, just blitz the market with as much as humanly possible. And it's like at the end of it, 90% of the market will have heard the name and will have made their mind up somewhat on the artist. Okay. <clears throat> so, I'm like, yeah, it makes total sense, you know, uh, consistent, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So that, that was the, it was just us copying hip hop yeah, is right. what basically what, what, but now, but as I, as I said a little bit before, as the band grows, things for sure, I do think change because like bring to the horizon could disappear for five years if they wanted to mm -hmm. and come back and still be huge right left to suffer could not yeah okay you know yeah. like we're we have a lot of buzz right now they're crushing it and they're on the path yep. to being a band like that but if they were to disappear for five years right now yeah like the make... world the whole world's gonna change right absolutely um so it's it's kind of the other analogy I use is this one's funny. Um, you watch Family Guy at all? Yes. <laughs> so there's the episode where they're trying to capture, I think, the actor guy. Um, uh, he was uh, Adam, Adam West. West. Yeah, I was gonna say no, he was the Adam. mayor. Maybe not Adam West. Who's the other guy? Uh, they had a couple. Oh, um, uh. Was it James Woods? Maybe was it James Woods? Okay, because I know they uh, yeah. Stewie had one with uh, um, Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. Oh, little Tom. Yeah, Cruise. little Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think this was a James Woods episode. Okay. And um, he's like running a mess, and they're trying to capture him, and they they decided to have a really long trail of candy yep. that leads to a box. <laughs> Ooh, piece of candy. Yep. Ooh, Ooh, piece of candy. Yeah, candy. yep. <laughs> and the, the so the candy yeah. is put at a distance far enough away where it moves him along the path, yep. but it's close enough where he can see the next piece. So he continues on the path, right? Mm -hmm. I look at content, content dripping exactly like that. Okay. And as the brand gets stronger, the distance between the pieces of candy can grow bigger. I'm putting that one in the footnotes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you actually mentioned something earlier with artists doing features. Do you find value in an artist, maybe a local artist, hiring um, a vocalist who is in a larger band? 
uh, and by larger, I don't mean like your larger regional, I mean like larger touring band, do you find value in having and hiring their vocalist to do a feature in your song? Or do you feel like it's a waste of money? Well, I would like to think because I started the site featuredx.com, but I'm super pro feature. Right. Um, Which is why I thought it was a good question. <laughs> I think it's amazing because like just having that person on your song the likelihood of getting more people to actually stop their life to give you their attention for two to three minutes is going to go up dramatically yes Um, uh, if it's versus if it's just a song that by a band that they've never heard of even if it's the best song ever written sure so just from a discovery point of view like and not only will kids as i like to call it you know the marketplace fans check it out but the likelihood of the fucking industry checking it out is going to go up too that's true so is there a yeah a certain like time amount of time that that artist should be featured like it's just you know a couple sentences a whole verse or uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on that? Because I've seen some that like they just kind of said a couple words, and then they're, it's like, well, I listened to this whole song, and I didn't get anything out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like to think that it really is dependent on the song and what the. I'm I'm hoping that they're serving the song and trying to give the song what it needs rather than trying to jam a feature on a song just for the sake of it. Right. I'm, I'm very anti doing things just because it's cool Mm, or because this, that, the other thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I honestly don't see any downsides in features whatsoever. I mean, it's just it seems so obvious to me that you look at what are the biggest genres of music right yeah hip-hop edm probably in the last decade right it's like what do those artists do that rock bands don't do they put out music infinitely more often and they collab with each other endlessly yes Absolutely. So it was just like it just makes sense to me. We're gonna do that with Left to Suffer. We're gonna power, yeah, yeah. we're gonna play out music more often, <laughs> and there's no rules, right? Either. Right. No fucking rules. We're gonna collab with everyone that we think is cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Post Malone does it all the time, and sometimes he'll do six artists on one track, and it's just like, man, it's it's impressive, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. Yeah. Maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> we've had two people on a song. Yeah. But well, that's that's still cool. Um so this kind of uh revolves around the marketing aspect uh, of things. Uh obviously digital marketing is changing all the time. Um there's always trends, yeah. changing strategies. Um, what are the kind of things that you um, look at from the back end of things and to, to look for it ahead of time versus getting into it when it's already started? Um, 
I mean, I I mean, I used to just listen to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk. And he would just <laughs> tell you what you know, because he. I was on TikTok five years probably before it was a thing. Sure, yeah. Because he, because he meant, because he was into Musically, mm. and Musically turned into TikTok, and like, right. it, it was like a whole thing. So there was like there was Musically and like four other apps yep. at the time. I remember that, that one. With so I just so I was just playing with yeah. them, and <clears throat> it was you know, I'm never really trying to be there first i don't think yeah um it's just a matter for me it's just simple in 1999 when i started to book shows before the internet i had to pass out flyers and put up posters in the places that people i thought that demographic would be at right Right. yep i would so it's like okay i would go to other shows duh i would go to the arcade at every mall every like brick and mortar arcade yeah. that was the place to go to pass out flyers and put up posters because that's where all the weird alt kids hung out <laughs> back in the day before there was twitch right and, you know what i mean <clears throat> so for me it's just as simple as i just go to promote wherever the demographic is okay so if everyone abandons tiktok to go to threads whatever <laughs> tomorrow it's just like yeah. cool then let's just go there like yeah just not being emotionally attached to right. it and just just do you feel we're like we're getting to that point we're just soon? following the herd right you know what i mean do you what? feel like we're getting to that point soon with tiktok because of the the oversaturation almost now you know with it you know it seems like everybody is on tiktok trying to do something different and it's it just it's just a mind fuck <laughs> every so every platform goes through the same life cycle yeah. where it, you know, it, TikTok had that period where, you know, the supply and the demand were such were distributed in such a way that the likelihood of the supply taking off was just so much higher. Sure. Now, I mean, now you have a thousand more people putting out a hundred thousand more pieces of content, yes. right? So you have a thousand more batters, each putting 10 more balls into the outfield <laughs> right. than the last two years. So every platform, you know, will have the, you know, the, the, the beginning where people don't like it. And then it has its viral moment where then a lot of people will make their career on it. And then what ends up happening is the rest of the people come at the end and then they just slow it down and they bring it to where it just normally is. Right. Now it's, it's just turning into Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Snapchat was yeah. like that um, too. It was very, it was yep. very big, you know, especially as a way for engagement. Everyone likes the new thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's the new it's the new weird kid in school. I'm curious to see day. how Everyone... Threads does, you know, with the new being the new thing because it's still so early. You know, a lot of people are kind of just tipping their it's toes very early. in the water a bit and seeing how it goes. I mean, I think the way that they rolled it out was really good. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, having it connected to your Instagram. So basically everybody already has an account right. and all that's like, they made it very easy, which is to me, that's one of the most important things is trying to make 
um, the friction as as li- little as possible for the end person, yeah, the consumer. Like, yeah. not just so it's like you know, a stupid example is you know just posting, hey, we have a new music video out versus posting that with the link to the music video, right? Mm-hmm. Like asking somebody to <clears throat> go and search on YouTube for it and do that work. They're never going to do no. it. I read a, I read a book a long time ago uh, and they had this one section that talked about, I think it was Holland, the Netherlands uh, or Denmark, one of those countries in Europe where they would take polling of, of their, of the people and it was like 78 or 82 percent of the population uh agreed with um organ doning and all of that stuff but they had the smallest percentage of their population actually signed up to be organ donors of any country in europe interesting and they didn't know why. And so they, you know, hired somebody to do a research and blah, 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 blah. And what they discovered was very simple. And then once I heard this once, so many things just made sense yeah. to me. And it was just like in, in America, you can become an organ donor when you get your license, right? At that point, in, up until that point in time, in order to become an organ donor, you had to opt in and fill out another piece of paper. Mm. So what did they do? They just switched it to you automatically are opted in. And if you want to opt out of being an organ donor, you have to fill out an extra piece wow. of paper. <laughs> and within like two years, it, it was like, yeah. boom, fixed The it. old switcheroo. So, yeah. So I'm just yeah. like, yeah, that just makes so much sense. Like, yeah, yeah. People don't like doing things. Well, <laughs> yeah. In the, on top of that, to back to the threads, you know, specific thing was if you delete your threads account, you delete your Instagram account too. Oh, they got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no going back and saying, hey, I don't want to be a, uh, an organ donor anymore. You signed up. Yeah. <laughs> You're in it. Yeah. No going back. No going back. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think Twitter changing its to name X. to X is probably the best thing to ever, ever happen. To what Perez. is it with Elon yeah, Musk and the doing. X letter? He just because he, his kids' name all have X's in it or something. I mean, SpaceX, <laughs> X. He's, yeah, he's just the. Uh, I mean, it's a cool letter. I'll give it to him. I I, lo- I love the guy. To be yeah, honest. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I do too. I'm a I'm a big fan I, of him. I I only I'm I'm only talking shit out of love, you know. <laughs> I understand the people that don't like him. Right. Too. Yes. I, I just get why. Feel as though I feel as though I'm probably sim- more similar to him yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways, yep. with like maybe a touch of autism, yep. maybe a touch of this, that. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like whatever. So I'm like. When he says a lot of the things that he says that pisses people yeah. off, I'm like, "Hey, that sounds like something I would say." <laughs> I'm like, "He's," I'm like, "He's just," I'm like, "I know he's just being a freaking troll right, because right. he's rich enough to can afford to do exactly. it." Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he believes half the things that he says. Yep. I think he's just goop, being a goof. Did you troll. watch the like, monologue yeah. he did for SNL? I did. Yeah. 
Yes. That uh, whole interaction that. was like where most people were like, whoa, what is wrong with this guy? And I'm just like, honestly, right. he's just he's just Elon. He's the Muskers. It's what he is, you know? It's, well, it's like as he got more and more popular and whatnot, and people started like noticing and talking about how he like stares off into space yeah. when he's like talking and thinking. Yeah. And I'm like, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you and I are a lot alike like, here. I'm like, don't make fun of me. I'm like, if you're making fun of him, yeah. you're making fun of me. What the yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's it's more so, uh, I hate to say it's anxiety based, but it almost is. You know, it's like a pre predispositioned anxiety, you know, that you get when you're talking to somebody. I've met someone before who um after i was introduced to them i was told by so many people about how much of a dick piece of crap that they were yeah and after getting to know them i was just like they just have the worst anxiety yes. of anyone i've ever met so they're just constantly like this. right right that's all that it is yeah. they're not being a dick at yeah, all yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Yeah, no, I yeah. mean, honestly, though, I mean, with your personality type, you're very, like, high-functioning. You're always you're always looking at the um, outside perspective things and saying, why are people doing it that way? That makes no sense. Do it this way. You know, I do the same exact thing, so I completely understand. I've been doing it since I've been, like, five yep, years old. Yep, absolutely. So yeah. I understand entirely where you're coming from with that, you know, so very cool to relate yeah it was like by the time i got into high school i was like yeah i know that all of this is right like like why are we doing this like i I tell you it served me well in the engineering um, field you know of looking at things from an outside perspective and being like i know we're doing it this way and we've been doing it for a while because it works but it doesn't work very well why would we do it my the bane of my existence, my least favorite thing ever, is anything that is similar to that's the way things yeah. are. That's the way it <laughs> right, is. Right. That's the way it's been done. Yeah. Anything, and I'm just like, but it doesn't have right. just because we, just because somebody who who was in charge a hundred years ago did it awfully doesn't mean we can't fix it now. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So, but anyway. Um, Go back to the interview or the questions here. We uh we got a couple more minutes left, so I'll yeah. ask uh I'll ask one more question. Um then I'll let you go and we'll go into can you give me the most memorable experience in your entire career where you felt like you made a significant impact? Hmm, the top one? We'll give top top couple. <laughs> So there's a couple for sure. Um, one, I mean, early on when I was, when I, after I booked my first show, there's like a 3,100 capacity venue that's in Poughkeepsie where we were from. So like at first it was like, yeah, one day, 30 or 40 years, I'm going to do a show there. Yeah. And it was like, you know, eight years after starting to book shows, I sold it out three times. Mm. Um, so that, so that being the first right. one and accomplishing like some crazy goal very early yeah, on, awesome. um, in 2013, I think, um, I was a part of the skate and surf festival, which I one of the that. headliners was the, the fallout boy reunion. Yeah. 
So I'm literally the guy that leaked the information about the Fallout Boy reunion no because we were announcing the festival with them a week later and going on sale. Yeah. So I'm literally called up the press who I was friends with. I'm not going to say his name, but everybody probably knows who it is. I'm just like, hey, this is what's happening. Do you want the story? But you can't say it came from (laughs) us type thing. Right, right. Like literal media manipulation type type stuff. Yeah. Um, But literally it was like, you know, it broke the internet. And a week later we announced our our festival and it sold out. So great. Um, Then in um, 2013, when black friday when we dropped the sworn in death card hoodie yeah. and uh yeah crashed the all-in merch store like seven <laughs> times that night what an amazing feeling we sold, we sold like yeah sold like 2500 hoodies holy shit <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah, how long did it take cool. you to get all those out were you prepared for that Oh, I mean the the merch company. Oh, so it was a print on demand, or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was. Hey, this is our the Black Friday sale. This is it's up for. I don't know if it was like forty forty eight hours or something like that. And yeah, twenty five hundred orders, and then they turned them and shipped it out. I bet they loved you. So that was a lot. (laughs) We made a lot of money in one. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, um, and then I, I don't know. Honestly, the day that we launched Feature Decks, yeah. Can you um, actually tell me more about crazy. that? I know we, I said it was going to be my last question, but I am curious about Feature Desk. X. I, I, I can go a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the pandemic hit. And at, so at the time, I was the marketing director at the Masquerade. Yeah. We did, you know, in Atlanta, they do about 800 shows a sure. year. Um, so. You know, we can't. We had just finished up a week or two of just canceling and postponing like hundreds and hundreds of shows. Got sent home, and it's like, okay, until further notice, we're just sitting at home working on, you know, at the time, Left to Suffer was recording the On Death EP. Mm. And it was like, okay, you know, fe- you know, we, what features do we want to try and get for this? And, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was just a website you could just go to and just be like, yeah, this is the feature I want. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy it. <laughs> right. And and everyone was like, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, so then it was just literally like, okay, like let's find let's find somebody who can build it and then let's get everybody. It li- literally from like conception of the idea until it was launched was like six weeks wow that was a quick turnaround <clears throat> the, <laughs> yeah way too quick yeah. i would not do it that way yeah. again if, if we had a redo do not recommend um <laughs> no 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 going that yeah. fast is a little too fast <laughs> um but yeah it was just simple as simple as that it was as simple as i wanted to to be able to have a way of getting features for left to suffer yeah. that was easier than trying to DM people on Instagram right, or right. email managers or, or, or any of that stuff. Um, and so obviously also the pandemic hitting and stopping touring, I really believe helped the website because 
Yeah. A lot of the people that were on there needed that money that they were making from doing those features. I can't tell you how many people and how many bands reached out to us, like, like at the end of that year, we're just like, yo, this saved my year. Like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. (laughs) So I was just like, geez. Um, I feel like that's a highlight moment too of your career. You know, of just getting yeah, those that satisfaction really of being able to help people, you know, who were in a time of need, you know? Yeah. We, the first time we got one of those messages, it was just like, oh, yeah. okay. Like, we did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, it ended up, you know, it, the website doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it will come back or not. The guy who, owns it currently i'm not really sure what the heck he's trying to do with it um so it sucks to see something that you created just get destroyed quicker than it it was right uh, a lot of potential um right so much potential um but learned a lot and it's gonna help me in my excuse me in my next yeah and i mean so cameo started coming around too and they're doing sort of similar to that you know well literally well literally it was around the time where i think cameo was going from like f celebrities to d celebrities right because they started they started at the bottom and they've worked their way up and around that time was when you know all of my facebook and instagram feeds i'm getting hit by tons of cameo ads right so i mean literally when i came up with the idea i'm probably just saw one of those ads thinking about features i'm in the shower i'm like yeah it just makes sense just to do the same thing yeah it literally was basically the same right right you know what i mean in in a in a way yeah um that's cool man Yeah. yeah that's uh well that's all i got um for for this podcast um i'm sure we're gonna talk more outside of this because seem like an interesting guy and i uh feel like we uh could get along very well we got a lot of similarities <laughs> so uh absolutely appreciate yeah, it and and uh, i'd love to have you back on again and talk more um you know strategies marketing stuff you know i feel like an hour is almost never enough time but you know in terms of retention we talked about this before an hour is kind of the sweet spot so anything more people are yes, like i'm not gonna absolutely. listen to that <laughs> <laughs> which and it's always funny to me because i always feel like 40 minutes into a podcast yeah. is when i at least start like catch my and actually and like, i was oh. gonna say uh, according to my numbers it's about 45 50 so uh yeah, yeah. but I, I get the extra 20 <laughs> minutes for personal reasons you know because i like talking <laughs> yeah awesome. man all right man well yeah um i'll uh i'll let you know when it releases thanks for thanks for coming on cool appreciate yeah. it man talk to yeah. you soon